Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Today, I have with me um, such a talented, wonderful individual. Um, I have with me uh, Casey Hine. Casey, go ahead and say hello. Hi, everybody, and thank you for your kind words, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, you're a pleasure to speak with, and I think our audience is going to really enjoy um, what you're here to talk about today. Casey, before we jump in, why don't you go ahead and give me um, a little background, give our audience a background on what you do and your experience. So, um, yeah, I just figured out recently that if I count the years uh I think it was about a year and a half I spent as a dental assistant in high school. I have been in dentistry almost for 50 years. <laughs> so well, our audience can't see you um, <laughs> as this is a podcast, but I can see you. And I'm going to say that I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but I'll let you carry on. <laughs> You're sweet. And so, um, yeah. And so I think that's one of my qualifying uh, qualifications here and that I have seen so much change in dentistry in, in this time. And so, so, so my area of expertise has always been in um, periodontal disease and its relationship to interrelationship with other diseases and conditions. And uh, I, I have worked in private practice. I've worked in government. I've worked in public health. I've worked as a consultant to um, uh, HMOs and PPOs and, and DSOs. I've worked, I've had my own private clinical consulting business. I, for 10 years, worked at the University of Manitoba, where my job was to put in place the first International Center for Oral Systemic Health. And, and just prior to that, I launched the first journal on oral systemic medicine called Grand Rounds in Oral Systemic Medicine. And it was, it was, it was uh, our audience were physicians, nurses, uh, dentists, dental hygienists, pharmacists, etc. And so I've done a tremendous amount of work in this area we call oral systemic medicine. And um, I would guess uh, up until about two years ago, my main thing has been to, to um, educate uh, physicians and nurses. And this is a lot of the body of my work at the university. In fact, we, I wrote the first curriculum on this um, about the significance of oral health and its relationship to the rest of the body. And so this started around 2006, um, and in just within the last two years, I have come to realize that there has been a significant amount that the the uh, the medical and nursing professions have done in this area. And um, one of the jobs I had at the university was was to teach. Um, uh, physicians and nurses in remote stations in the subarctic of Manitoba, how to do things like 
lance a uh, an abscess in the mouth and to perform oral biopsies and that kind of thing. And and I must tell you, since this uh, body of research we call periodontal systemic science started uh, over 25 years ago, today we can say for sure that um, there's research published in many, many medical journals and many of the most prestigious ones, uh, including the New England Journal of Medicine, Lancet, all the cardiology and, and obstetrics. And so, so here's, here's the bottom line. And the bottom line is the medical community got it. Nurses got it. There's so much great work coming out of uh, NYU and, and with ner- the nursing community. They're on board. They're doing amazing things with oral health. And, and and integrating it into their side, their you know medicine. But in order to really reconnect the mouth to the rest of the body, we have to, meaning we as oral healthcare providers, really need to look beyond the tonsils, and um, and that and that means we need to be educated much more on um, about. Uh, holistic health. And so in February, I'm going to be presenting um, a full day program on this at the Chicago Midwinter. I actually spoke on this at the Arizona Dental uh, Dental Association meeting in the spring, and it's a time that's come. So that's really the body of work that I am about right now. And there have been some tectonic changes in 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 the healthcare community that support this, and and one of them is the introduction of um, HbA1c and glucose testing in dentistry. Now we have uh, a CDT code uh, for that, and that's fabulous. But there's other point of care technologies that will enable us as oral healthcare providers to to administer things like testing for osteoporosis in dentistry, um, testing for risk for cardiovascular disease um, and diabetes, uh, and also infectious diseases that we can be doing chair side. And so it's a really exciting time. And with this big push towards holistic care, uh, this, you know, oral health is front and center. So it's an exciting time. So obviously providing the highest level of healthcare to patients is important. Um, I believe to every dentist, um, and everyone who works in a dental office, but obviously there's time constraints in the day. We can only do so much. Um, dentists can only do so much. So tell me, um, how can they kind of implement this and start talking to their patients about overall health care? Um, first of all, they need to get educated, and that's a big part of what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to tell our audience, hey, check out KCHine.com um, and, and, and start paying attention, um, right? So that's part of it, obviously. Um, but talk about the benefits um, to practice growth and building a practice and, and having what's we'll, quote, better patients um, mm-hmm. when you start to talk about um, holistic health and overall health. Um, going past the tonsils, as you had said. So number one, I will say this. I believe that practicing this way is top of licensure. And I think that those 
who don't consider doing this are going to get left behind. And so I, I it is coming. I, I, can, I stake my reputation on that. Uh, there's too much structurally in, in the arena of health insurance and and public policy and education, uh, professional education and pre-licensure education. It's all about interprofessional collaboration and how we educate all healthcare providers now. They're just tectonic changes. It is coming. So the early adopters are going to be the ones that benefit the most because pa- patients are excited about this. They they embrace it. Uh, my neighbor yesterday, uh, I just live right outside of Washington, D.C., and uh, my neighbor actually went into D.C. and she saw one of she sees one of the top docs in there and in, in, in uh, D.C., with a pretty big practice. And when the hygienist was caring for her, um, she said, I am so excited to be in this practice because it embraces oral systemic health. We are doing so much. And some of my clients are in that same, they're doing the same thing. And what they're finding is patients not only are okay with this, but they're excited about it. And so my neighbor, when I saw her last night, she says, you know what? I felt like I was talking to you (laughs) when this hygienist was talking to me because they're really doing some of these things. And I said, yeah, I know they are. And so I have many clients that are are the recipients of wonderful referrals from what I consider the holy grail, which is referral from physicians. And when you put into place this kind of, when you introduce, when you initiate this kind of interprofessional collaboration, and there is there is definitely some steps I can help people with, and in terms of uh, connecting with the medical community, it's a very rich source of patients. It's a really rich source of patients and patient referrals. And the truth be known, physicians want to get referrals from you too. Uh, from dentists. That's really important to them. Um, I used, I, I actually underestimated how important that is to physicians until about a year ago. And yeah, they want more patients from, from dentists. So sure. we can establish that. So, so right now there are reimbursement mechanisms in place for testing for glucose to your side. This will change uh, there will be, I've actually am in the process of advocating right now for similar testing, chair side testing for, uh, evaluating risk for cardiovascular disease, specifically uh, myocardial infarction. That's, uh, I'm advocating strongly, uh, among some academicians, uh, that that's something we need to look at and there's other tests, but, so someday we will have codes for that. But right now, uh, we do have codes for di- uh, diabetes and so, or glucose. And, but here's the question for right now. How do we implement that and still make money, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, chair t- it's chair time, right? Sure. So uh, my suggestion is very specifically, there we have to come up with a process by which we don't eat up chair side 
uh, time, you know, uh, operatory time to do this. So my suggestion is to dedicate a place. It could be a small alcove in the office, sort of like, you know, where they put the Panorex machine, right? It's yep. like this, an, an alcove, right? And uh, set that up for testing, uh, for finger stick testing, for cardiovascular disease, and um, and there's salivary diagnostics we could be doing, et cetera, et cetera. So, so and it's something if properly trained dental assistants or anybody could perform these kinds of tests. Uh, we have dental assistants in many places that have been trained as phlebotomists. Not that we're going to start pumping from from veins, right? But the point is. Sure. Uh, that's definitely something that can happen here. And so, um, yeah, so it's a time that's come. There are some very early adopters that are on board with this. If your if your uh, listening audience wants more information about this, I'd, I'd be happy to chat with them about this. Um, I came up with a uh, with, you know, with a signage that can be posted in the uh, reception area that says something about uh, more than ever before. We know that how important this link is between oral health and overall health. And, you know, we're heeding the call to action and uh, testing many patients for diabetes, um, screening them, excuse me, screening them for diabetes and cardiovascular disease and a number of infectious diseases. And if you haven't had this done and you want us to do this for you, please let us know. So, yeah, and it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's a nice way of introducing it into the practice. Sure. I'm gonna, I want to share a personal experience with the audience a little bit, and I think this is important. I'll certainly let you comment on that. But probably around 2005 or 2006, Facebook was in its infancy. I was checking it out, and I was scrolling through it. And back then, there was only so much content. I think right. you could run out of content on Facebook in, in those days. <laughs> Um, and it was actually before it was, you know, the massive scroll machine that it is now. But I remember seeing this survey that popped up, and it was like, check out your real age test. And it was like Oprah was endorsing this thing. And I was like, all right. And I clicked on it. And it was this series of questions, probably somewhere between 40 and 60 questions. And the goal of the test was to determine your real age, not how old you are, but your health, right? Are you younger or older health-wise? And so I started running through these questions. And I, one of the questions was, how often do you floss? And I told the truth. It was like twice a week. And um, went on and it gave me my age and it gave me an age of two years older than I actually was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that floss thing stuck in my mind. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> that that floss thing stuck in my mind. And I thought to myself, what is this flossing all about? Right. So I went back through all the questions and I lied and I answered that I floss twice a day. It raised my real age by four more years, six years. So it actually said that I was six years younger than my reality was. And I was like, geez, guess what I started doing? Flossing, right? So I started flossing twice a day because this test told me I was going to be six more years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and I want to keep in mind this now. I'm a business owner now. I've, I've, 
you know, thank God I've had some success as an adult, but it wasn't the way that I grew up. And, you know, brushing teeth in my household wasn't something that was we were told to do. And so I had poor oral health as a result of not having good oral health as a, as a child. And because I value oral health now, I do whatever my dentist tells me to do. So, you know, whatever. You're a perfect patient, Patrick. Right. But, but the only reason why I'm a person of a perfect patient um, is because I took that test because I saw that flossing was that important. And then I realized the connection that your oral health is so tied together with your overall health. That's what made me a perfect patient. If not, I'm sure I would be, you know, budgeting on my, you know, deciding to, to go as cheap as I could, as far as taking care of my teeth are concerned. So, um, Life changer for me. I, I recommend having that, building that test out, having all of your patients take that so that they can see the difference between uh, flossing and brushing and taking care of our teeth and what have you. So um, sorry to take up some of your time here, but I want to talk real briefly about, I want our audience to check out your website. There's a ton of information on there, um, of webinars coming up, series coming up, but you're going to be part of a big event coming up in November of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um Tell us a little bit about that event. And I know the website's not out yet, so we'll go ahead and publicize that website around the time that this podcast goes live. But tell us about this event coming up in November. Yes. So this was um, uh, spawned by a person by the name of Dr. Mark Cooper, who um, is a very successful coach for many dentists and um, in the, uh, and uh, he's a very, uh, <laughs> He's a very interesting philosopher and he's been very successful. And he's also a retired periodontist, which is really interesting. And um, Mark uh, wants his legacy to be completion of this loop, reconnecting the mouth to the rest of the body. And and as a result, he has put together, it spent uh, a lot of uh, a lot of resources on putting together the first conference on the integration of primary care in the dental practice. And that will be in Phoenix in next year, November 3rd and 4th, 2021. And this is kind of a unique conference. Uh, I'm one of 10 speakers. We have been charged with uh, doing a TED Talk type of thing for 45 minutes. Um, I feel very honored to have been asked to be part of this. Um, my, my, my mission specifically, my task there is to introduce a, what I see as the vision for a fully integrated dental hygienist so into this new practice model. And what we're talking about is um, the non-physician primary care provider. It has been defined by uh, as someone who can provide services that have traditionally been provided by nurses and de- uh, nurses and physicians that we can provide now. And so, um, I see the role of the dental hygienist and moving hygienists and all oral health care providers, but specifically hygienists, into a higher mission, and that is totally reconnecting the mouth and the body. And just real quickly, um, so I'm excited about that. The website will be posted. It is um, 
it is about stake bringing stakeholders there to actually really move move the needle on this now and insurance companies and government and um, PPOs. And so, yes, it's, it's about changing actually not just talking about it, but really getting people to commit to making a change because this time has come. So this is just another reason why dentists need to pay attention. Dental hygienists need to pay attention and I just want to comment real quickly on, on in your floss question, yeah, because uh, I, I I think it's wonderful. But here's here's a, a real brain teaser, <laughs> and uh, it was probably at least ten years ago, maybe it's fifteen years ago that Grossi and her colleagues were able to prove that periodontal disease is. 20, uh, plaque is only 20% of the risk for periodontitis. So it's not about mouth cleanliness completely. Sure. We know that today. In fact, it's about the other risk factors are 80% of the equation. And I say that because one of the best things that's happened to us is the introduction of the new classification system for periodontitis. This is the first time that systemic health factors have been taken into consideration. And so in implementing these new guidelines, we have to think more critically, uh, employ critical thinking uh, that demands we know more about uh, systemic health. So it's, it's a real great addition to what we're doing. Case, that's awesome. I love your work. I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing for the community and the overall health of our people. Um, Thank you again for coming on again. I want to invite our audience to check out CaseyHine.com. Casey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Both of you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.